Coming up on Podcast 1859, the Lotus Electra gets reviewed, Audi battle EV delays, and Tesla breaks new records. Those stories and more stick around. Also on the podcast today, we talk about the Fisker Ocean production, how Chinese AVs are going to be made in Europe, and why France is optimistic about courting Elon Musk. Well, we're trying a new things. You know when to expect a show. We go live at 5pm UK. That's midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're listening around the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Monday, 10th of July. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. We'll start with that headline story about the Lotus Electra. All the journalists have had a chance to drive them now. The embargo got lifted and plenty of publications have had their say on the Lotus Electra and, of course, my favourite uh, uh, Norwegian EV reviewer, that would be Björn Newland. He's driven it as well and check out his YouTube channel because he's a bit of a fan of it and particularly charging at 350 kilowatts. Uh, it was pretty low state of charge, and the battery was kind of warm, and he was on the right kind of charger, obviously. Uh, but he did get a chance to drive that on his own for a decent chunk. He loved the air suspension and some of the ADAS systems, but the charging, he said it's the fastest EV. because I think it went about 300 to begin with. And this is the fastest he's ever charged a road-going electric car, and that he was mightily impressed. Has a dual-motor uh, powertrain and a pretty large battery pack that'll give you 373 miles of WLTP range. It comes in base S and R trims, but all the trims have use of that 112 kilowatt hour lithium-ion battery. It's about 105, 104, 105 usable and charging at 350 up to 350 kilowatts. And some traditional Lotus enthusiasts may be disappointed by the Electra's handling and lack of classic Lotus traits. In other words, adding lightness. This is definitely not fitting the bill. Uh, Four levels of regen to choose from using the left paddle shifter. The right paddle shifter changes the drive mode between sport, tour and range. It's equipped with LiDAR for some future upgrades and autonomous driving. At the minute it has uh, typical driver assistance like blind spot monitoring, lane keep and adaptive cruise. Inside, 15.1 inch central screen using the Epic Games Unreal Engine. And a 12.7-inch driver and passenger display as well. Now, I've been inside the Electra, but I I wasn't allowed to drive it. Uh, This was a while ago. And actually, what's really interesting is the passenger display, rather than just being a gimmick or... I know it's kind of duplicating what is available elsewhere, which I've seen in other EVs. The passenger display was actually really useful. I saw it using uh, song information. Uh, from Spotify or whatever you use to play your music. And that was all new information for the the passenger. And I wonder what else they'll do with that passenger display. I thought it was, it was they were making use of it. Now, it can't be a lightweight car because it's an EV, but it's not particularly heavy for an EV. Uh, the base model costs 2,500, uh, weighs 2,500 kilograms. The S and the R um, weigh nearer 2,600 kilograms. Link to all of those reviews in the show notes if you'd like to see what other people People are saying about the Lotus Electra. Now, let's talk about Audi exploring an external EV platform in China amid delays in their own one. They should be using their own platform called the SSP from the Volkswagen Group, but it's been delayed. So now we find out Audi is considering buying a platform in from a Chinese competitor. And the point of doing that is to speed up their 
vehicle process. The group CEO of Volkswagen, Oliver Bloom, has reportedly approved the plan. Uh, the need for an EV platform is pretty urgent for Audi, as its own developments like the Trinity project are significantly delayed and they're under big pressure to remain capable of delivering vehicles until trinity which i think is maybe three years delayed maybe now 2029 evs account for about a quarter of the chinese market audi only sold 3200 evs though in the first quarter and last year chinese brands reached a market share of over 50 percent so the chinese makers Local producers are getting a big share of the market, and those German manufacturers are going to be very aware in China, as well as elsewhere, of the dangers of falling behind. Link in the show notes to that story. Now, staying with Audi, faster localization they say is essential to achieve their ambitions in the Chinese market. According to Hildegard Vortman, a member of Audi's Board of Management for Sales and Marketing. Now, Vortman emphasised the importance of China to the Audi brand and its potential for growth. Audi's strategy in China is increasingly focusing on local research and development, uh, market understanding, and highlighting the need to speed up localization within China and doing more there, which, after all, if you think about the Tesla story, Well, the Tesla story was always we want to make cars in China. Local supply chains are cheaper, labor is cheaper, and we can get things done quicker when there's people behind you. And yes, I mean, some government uh, and they want something to happen. Then anything can happen in China if they want it to happen. And so... Uh, that's the story there. Audi saying the same thing. Right, moving on. Tesla is breaking records with their Chinese-made vehicles last month in June. In the month of June alone, Tesla sold a record of 93,680 vehicles made in China last month in June, according to the China Passenger Car Association, the CPCA. And it's Tesla's best performance uh, for the first half of the year. Model Y was the star performer. Uh, Easily 63,000 units sold. uh, The most popular passenger vehicle in China in the month of June. Model 3, of course, doing well, 30,500 units sold. Uh, They exported 20,000 of those made in Shanghai and 20,000 went overseas in June. That's about a fifth of the total monthly sales. In the first half of the year, Tesla sold a total of 476,000 vehicles made in China. That is up 61% from the same period last year. And about 182,000 of them were exported to other markets. Well, a bit like here, uh, because they're still not exporting cars from Germany to the UK. They're not making right-hand drive versions. Uh, Occasionally, I do check the UK configurator. Uh, the design page for Tesla, uh, to see if those new German colours have showed up. But they haven't here, and so that's a dead giveaway. The cars are still coming from China for right-hand drive. Okay, moving on. Tesla is updating their US referral program with new discounts and incentives. It's made updates to their US referral program for the Model 3 and the Model Y. If you are a referred buyer, you now receive $500 discounts off your purchase price. That is a hard cash referral benefit. So that is one of the most attractive referral benefits that Tesla have done in a long time. And you get three months of full self-driving which you can decide if that's valuable to you or not. The referrer, on the other hand, earns 10,000 Tesla credits uh, to use for things like free supercharging or Tesla accessories and even upgrades on their vehicles. This update comes as Tesla, according to many people in the know, who I try and listen to on Tesla stuff, say that they are trying to sell as many of the existing Model 3, Model Y, because Model 3 is getting a very 
imminent facelift and they don't want to Osborne their own product uh, by talking about it too much or talking about it at all, in fact. Uh, And so... For now, incentivizing the old Model 3. Model Y gets an upgrade as well, but 3 is going to be first. And so people uh, trying to get people to buy those vehicles before they come out with the all-new, flashy, swanky, latest uh, redesigned version of the Model 3. Now, the referral program for SNX is unchanged. That's a $1,000 discount and three months of FSD. Uh, if you are a buyer, referrer is getting 20000 of Tesla credits in your account. Moving on, and Fisker are having production challenges for their SUV, the Ocean, and delays to their deliveries. A slow production ramp-up of their Ocean Electric SUV, which they are blaming on suppliers. In the second quarter of this year, only 1,022 of the vehicles were made. That's less good. At their Magna facility in Austria, it's a third-party manufacturer making the Fisker Ocean. And that includes both customer cars and vehicles intended for Fisker use. So marketing, engineering, validation, things like that, or just future testing. Uh, While production began as scheduled, uh, deliveries didn't start until six months later. Now, I think production started end of last year. Deliveries have just started at the Fisker. First cars have already been delivered in Europe and US. Deliveries uh, started in the middle of June. Fisker said that some suppliers have had difficulties ramping up um, because they didn't receive components from sub-suppliers. So it's a blame game there. Uh, we wish everyone at Fisker well and the best and hope that they can pull through this. Now, SAIC is China's largest state-owned automaker, and they're planning on building an EV factory in Europe. We hear a lot about building battery factories, uh, but this is actually a vehicle factory in Europe as part of their overseas expansion plans. The company sold 530,000 vehicles overseas in the first quarter of the year alone. SAIC is currently seeking a site in Europe for the factory. No details have been provided, though, and... If uh, if their previous targets they mentioned uh, for local production uh, are stuck to, there will be about 100,000 vehicles to begin with in the first year. Now, we'll take a quick break, mini break, and then we'll come back and talk about China's EV price war and uh, GM's Lyric and a tiny little remote control vehicle that you might have had in the 80s that you can now buy a full-size EV version of. Stick around, those stories are on the way. Okay, now let's talk France. Optimistic about wooing Elon Musk. Bruno Le Maire is the French economy minister, and he is hopeful uh, that Tesla will make a big investment in France, coming as various European countries are all vying for investment from Tesla. Le Maire was speaking to the TV channel TF1. Sure, that's not how I should be saying that in, in French. It's uh, saying there is good hopes that Elon Musk will choose France for a factory. And he mentioned that there are several options being considered. The economy minister believing that France has all the necessary conditions to be the most attractive country to choose. They have radically transformed the economic image of France, he says, making it an attractive destination for Elon Musk. And hopefully a new battery plant will be announced by the end of the year, they say, with France actively pursuing Elon Musk right now and uh, yeah, laying out the red carpet and uh, I think many people would want some Tesla investment in their country. Okay, let's talk a bit more China. This is a really, I, I think, amusing story, but probably not amusing if you're in the middle of it, uh, in the eye of the storm. The China Association of Auto Manufacturers, CAAM, ha- had to withdraw a pledge 
from 16 automakers that lasted about 24 hours. Tesla were included in this pledge, and it was bringing 16 car makers together to do something about what they phrased as abnormal pricing, and if I may decode, that abnormal pricing being price cuts. It was a move to end uh, the the race to the bottom. A temporary ceasefire, if you like, in the price war over EVs in China. The pledge was seen as a violation of China's antitrust laws, though, and it was announced at the end of last week that these 16 car makers would, would have a ceasefire. No more price cuts. Just hold, hold, your, hold your positions, everyone. And uh, since then, Tesla reduced their prices and others did as well. It lasted about a day and uh, they'd previously uh, called for car makers to temper the price cut hype, but this was due to be something signed by executives from 16 big car makers, Tesla, BYD, Neo, Lee, Xpeng, and uh, this truce, like I say, didn't last very long. Uh, Tesla announced a referral payout just after they signed it of $500, and uh, Volkswagen, which is their partners, SAIC and FAW, they got two JVs in China, uh, they then announced price cuts on their Chinese vehicles. Just after saying they wouldn't. So clearly not worth the paper that those 16 signatories <laughs> were written on. And uh, that all got thrown out the window after a day. Price cuts back on in China. I mean, it's probably a good thing for uh, for consumers. Uh, there's actually, uh, you know, I find it tongue-in-cheek amusing. But, uh, but there is kind of a serious side to this as well, because the way that China are doing it, because like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, what China wants, China gets. And it's really interesting. I've been watching this for years now on this podcast. And if anyone kind of wants to come up to speed on the China story, I'm not the authority on it, and I'm not the best person to listen to. But one of the, the broad things that I've, I've noticed is this rapid growth in China uh, for years has been because of adding competition, and excess capacity. And I think what China hopes is by having hundreds of EV companies and loads of excess capacity, that it will shake out the best and that the the best, the cream will rise to the top. Um, one uh, consultancy, Alex Partners, that I noticed forecast that uh, 25 of the 167 EV companies currently registered in China uh, will be survivors, and I, you know, it may be it may be less than that. So that's that's kind of been their their strategy, and it's kind of brutal, and it's survival of the fittest. But you can't argue that China isn't way ahead of of many in the EV race. Now, let's move on. And General Motors reduced the price of their Cadillac Lyric in China by 14% shortly after this agreement to not cut prices. Uh, the, they're using the Altium EV architecture, and they cut 14%, now priced about $52,000, I should say, US dollars equivalent in China. And a discount of 2500 for Lyric buyers if you put a deposit down before the end of August. Uh, The CFO, uh, Paul Jacobson, uh, says that the Lyric is a big opportunity for the company in China. Now, let's talk a couple of nice stories. Firstly, if you had a little remote-controlled car in the 80s, the Tamiya uh, Wild One, you would know this because it's knobbly tyres. I got knobbly tyres on the back and the front of mine. I think they meant have slicks on the front, uh, but I think I put knobbles everywhere because, you know, I wanted the off-road capability. I had one of these. It was brilliant. And now there's a great UK car company called The Little Car Company, which is a great name, but they don't make little cars. They make full-size cars, and they are making full-size versions of the Tamiya 
remote control car. It looks just like the thing that you had as a toy in the 80s. It's incredible. They've limited it to 62 miles an hour. So it's street legal under certain rules in Europe, not in the US, unfortunately. Single motor, 37 horsepower, and uh, the car's battery is 14.4 kilowatt hours. But this thing is really lightweight, so it'll do 124 miles of range. The front suspension isn't quite as extreme as the remote control car. Uh, The toy car and the car, but it will go off-road. 10.5 inches of ground clearance, 34 degrees approach angle, 50 degrees departure angle. This is a proper off-roader that'll cost $45,000, about £35,000. And you can find out more details, put a link in the show notes. And finally, if you ever want to go behind the scenes of how an EV is made, uh, Renault have uh, released a bunch of details on their production engineering centre that they have in France. And this is really nice, actually, kind of a secret facility. So we're getting a little behind-the-curtains look at how they build prototypes inside the plants to be representative of the final production models, how they then go and test them. Uh, This particular stage is the Renault 5, the all-electric Renault 5. They're making the mules, they're taking them to Lapland, they go on to make vehicle check prototypes, which resemble the final production cars, and all that prototyping is done with testing and validation and then refinement and then, you know, rinse and repeat, and they're opening the doors to say how it's all done. Really interesting link in the show notes if you want to find out more. Thank you so much to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel, go and give it subscribe it's brilliant octopus electroverse global public charging made simple with one map and one app and least plan electric moments providing all the tools and guidance ev drivers need have a good and see you tomorrow and remember there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid